Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Thank you for joining us this week. We've got a great show for you. Our crew had a chance to look at a new tabletop role-playing game. Well, new to us at least. And we're going to be reviewing that and talking about some of the differences we saw in there, some of the things we liked, and, you know, a few things that maybe we didn't like. We also have a great interview with Steve Mailer coming up later in the show. New music artist, I will just leave it at that. Definitely very much worth checking out. You know, this year is going to be very different for us with the holiday seasons, with Thanksgiving already behind us and not being able to get together with family in some cases like we normally do every year. Looking online to be able to do some of that interaction, playing games, even just board games, that type of thing, being able to interact, being able to talk. It's going to be very, very different this year, but there are some good opportunities to do that. And I'd like to invite you to check out our Tech Wednesday blog. We're going to be talking a little bit about that and some of the other things that are available for this holiday season. That's at theanswerportland.com. Today's news is brought to you by the Be Local, Buy Local holiday shopping campaign sponsored by the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce and Metropolitan Land Group. Save up to 20% on gift cards and support local businesses impacted by the pandemic. Go to SherwoodChamber.org for more information. What's in the news? You need to opt out of Amazon Sidewalk. Well, normally when I walk on the sidewalk, I don't have to opt out of it, but this one is definitely... Yeah, I don't remember buying a sidewalk from Amazon. So let's <laughs> let's first of all talk about what this even is. This is something that was quietly announced, and I do mean quietly because I hadn't even heard about it until I saw the, the article on this on the press release. And in doing a little bit of digging into it, this is an interesting system. So what it is, is if you have an Amazon device... So that would include an Echo Show, an Alexa, a Ring Doorbell is also part of this. Oh, okay. What they're doing is they're creating kind of a mini Wi-Fi network to use as a backup. So that sounds pretty benign, except that they're not asking us about it. And what it does is it shares your Wi-Fi with your neighbor. And I'm not sure from a security standpoint and anything else, this might be just fine. But it's like something that we definitely want to dig into and kind of figure out what's going on and, and why. And I think that initially, it's probably a pretty good idea to opt out of it. And uh, let's do a little more research and figure out what it is. But it's something that it's kind of like we weren't told about it. And yeah. uh, so what's actually going on here is it's taking a small percentage of your Wi-Fi bandwidth and sharing it with your neighbors. Okay, so not a, a super big deal. But what this ends up doing is it also does open up your Wi-Fi, at least the end of it that's coming from the Amazon devices, and sharing that too. So, uh, you, you know, that could introduce a problem. I mean, what could go wrong, right? I could think of a lot of things that could go wrong. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. want an open network on my network. Yeah, and I don't think my neighbors want an open network either. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the whole thing. And is that what this really is? So there's a couple of white papers on it. It gets very technical. So it's something that I'm going to be definitely digging into over the next couple of weeks. And then what we're going to do, too, with our Tech Wednesday next week, so this coming week, we will put up instructions on how to get on, deal with this, opt out for now. I think erring on the side of caution is a good idea here. And then as soon as we can get some more information on it, we'll talk about it. 
Amazon Web Services has major outage. Yeah, so continuing on the Amazon front here, first of all, Amazon Mm. Web Services is a major hosting platform. If it's something that you haven't heard about, it is definitely, I think, the biggest in the world now. Something I use. uh, So from a standpoint of being a software developer and doing hosting and dealing with a lot of stuff, I use Amazon Web Services. I like it. It is something that a lot of other companies like as well because this affected Netflix, affected Roku, and a number of other big names that use Amazon Web Services. And this is the first one I've heard of that's major downtime. So just to get a little bit technical on this, they have data centers all over the world. These are called availability zones. And within those availability zones, you can host different things. And there's a lot of services that are available for this, everything from AI to machine learning to database management and on and on. And it is a little unusual for them to have problems. They have major redundancy. Sometimes you'll have problems in one of the data centers, but usually not worldwide. So they got it fixed right away. It was a couple of hours that it was out, and they have brought it back online at this point. But boy, it can affect things. And it affects things that you might not uh, really know. Like if you're doing online role-playing and you're using a company that uh, uses S3 buckets to host your information, and that uh, service goes down on a OS Sunday afternoon, it can be a real bummer. So uh, <laughs> so anyway, they've got it fixed now, but definitely something to be aware of. Online scams on the rise this holiday season. Yeah, and this doesn't come as a shock. I've been seeing this a little bit more where I've been getting a lot of emails that are just, uh, there's a problem with your Amazon account or whatever account. And My mom's getting phone calls like that. Yeah, phone that calls, fa- text messages. I've gotten a few text messages. It's not just emails. And you want to be very, very careful because it looks and feels just like the real thing. And it's, we, we couldn't f- process your payments. So you need to go on and update your credit card information. Click here. And then you go to mm-hmm. a website that looks like whatever they're spoofing. Amazon is a big one, but it's a lot of them. I've had this with Best Buy too and Home Depot. And if you're not thinking about it, we're in a hurry. It's the holidays. We're all ordering online this year with COVID and stuff. And it's easy to go in and go up, update my credit information. And now the bad guys have your credit information. So if you want to make sure, if you do think there could be a problem, the best way to handle this is to open your web browser and go to the company's website. Don't click on a link in the email or the text. So actually go to amazon.com, log into your account from there and see if everything's okay. And most of these services also, they would like to know, and they actually do really take care of it. If you let them know, Amazon specifically forward the email to spoof at Amazon.com, and they'll actually go in and disable and deal with taking down the the service that's spoofing. Most companies have something like that set up. It's pretty easy to find those email addresses, but just something to be aware of because the last thing we all need is to get uh, scammed and, and have financial information stolen. Discover Plus to start streaming in January. Yeah, What's another, that? Another online streaming play uh, service from Discovery Networks. It's going to be five bucks a month. I don't know. There seems to be a little bit of, uh, uh, what was streaming fatigue, for lack of yes. a better term here? I don't know. What do you well, guys think like about another? network has to have their own one, and yeah. I, I don't understand why. And it's getting to a point where for cord cutting, this is great. You don't have to subscribe to your cable services. But on the same token, is it's not less when you have to subscribe to all of these things individually. I, I don't know. Jeremy, what do you yeah. think about another streaming service? I don't need another one. That's for sure. I mean... I, I want the ones that we have to work well. Yeah. And, and we're still having problems. And I think it's because of um, internet fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> I know that from a standpoint of 
a lot of these different companies weren't necessarily anticipating everything that has happened with COVID and the increase. Zoom's another one that's strictly speaking, not a streaming service, but a still an online video and that type of thing, conference calling service. And all of these have seen, just because of the rise in bandwidth consumption and everything else, a situation where it is definitely needing and taxing a lot more of the internet infrastructure than mm-hmm. what would have been anticipated. And uh, Bill, I know you have a little bit of a different internet account. Have you been able to stream okay, or have you noticed problems? There have been a few problems. Uh, the primary problem, though, that I see, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's you know the, the Netflix or whoever is getting affected. Honestly, my opinion on it is is because there actually is a tax on your taxes every year that goes to the telecom companies to keep the infrastructure going. You know, I got to blame companies like AT&T where they just keep jacking up prices and stuff on their internet and everything. And, you know, I it was five years ago that we were finally able to even get uh, UVerse to where I am. And even then the guy was like, oh, I really wouldn't get it out there because you're on the very end of the cable and it's going to be terrible and you're sharing it with everybody in town. So, you know, you have companies that really just need to get off their butts and uh, fix the infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. You know, that yeah. that's really where we're running into it. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, Europe and stuff has better. And I mean, it is a logistics thing. You know, a country the size of Germany, which is the size of California, they can dump a lot of money into their infrastructure for Internet. In America, you know, we have these private companies that get a lot of leeway and a lot of government subsidy and stuff. and I honestly feel like they've been dropping the ball for the last 50 years. Yeah, I, <laughs> they I, have. I think there's a lot of agreement on that. Isn't That's certainly not just your opinion. And it's like, I know that from a standpoint, now 5G kind of pushing this on the other end of the spectrum, it requires investment. And if you make the investment, you're free to charge and, and people will pay for a good quality product. But we need that good quality product. Well, since we've been picking on everybody, I'd like to invite our listeners to add us to your Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing. Go into the skills, add user-friendly 2.0. We're out there. You get the latest in technology news every week right to your smart speaker. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Got a great show for you this week. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We've been talking a little bit about different games, and we're getting in the middle of the holiday season here. So being able to do that's kind of fun, whether it's virtually or in person. This year's a lot more virtually, of course, with some of the changes that we're seeing. And we've been trying out some new games ourselves, and some are better than others. Uh, Bill, Jeremy, Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Hey. Hi. So over the weekend, we got to play a new role-playing game. And it is Star Trek themed. Uh, it's 2D20 is the name of the system. And Bill is our resident game expert. Why don't you give us a little bit of an overview on what we found? Well, for Bill's first time DMing, uh, <laughs> yes. we found it was quite an interesting experience. Uh, this, of course, we are talking about the Star Trek Adventures by Modifius Press. Um and as you said, it is a 2D20 system, which is a completely new system for all of us, except for uh, Molly. Uh, she had played it before. Um, 
but I guess the biggest thing we could say is, and uh, this was our complaint, I guess, across the board, was that the books were just really, really hard to find information. The combat system was very confusing. Like, what was it? We we found character creation to be fairly easy, especially once I found that online character creator. Right. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Um, it really it's helped us streamline it. I mean, yeah. the, the the thing is not intuitive. Yeah, there were, it, it was like, yeah, everything else was like great. It was like once you figured out like how to do skill checks and stuff, it was fine. Mm-hmm. And then we got into a combat, yeah. and it was just like, I think we spent a twenty or thirty <laughs> minutes just trying to figure out how combat actually worked. Yeah, yeah it's like what, was, what are we rolling for? What now? And, yeah. and one of the one of the issues we ran into with this too is, of course, we're doing everything virtually, and uh, we use an online system. And I, uh, like Bill said, this was the first time that I've ever run a game. So the first thing I ran into was some technical problems with that, and uh, so it made it a little more difficult than it would have been. But even taking that out, the system normally for tabletop would include a kit that has custom dice, so you don't use regular. You can use regular dice, but there's also another set that goes with it for doing certain activities like yeah. skill checks. So to do that online, we had to figure out a way to convert and cross-reference from one to the other. So built into the online system, it did some of the rolls for us and we added them, but there's a way in there where you can mouse over and see what the actual dice roll was and what it's doing to do it. And it was like a, a, a formula that's longer than some of the quantum physics things that I've dealt with in the past. I mean, it was yeah, just this letters and numbers and everything else. And you're kind of going, parentheses. Wow. Yeah. Lots of, <laughs> lots of brackets and parentheses. And it was very confusing to try and figure out how it was going to roll something and keep something and then subtract this other thing and then multiply and divide by some other stuff to make up the number. And it's like, why don't you just roll a die? Yeah. Just just to put it into the layman's for everybody, we're talking about roll 20 and the way that it calculates rolls and such, it does use a small formula. Once you know the syntax for it, it's actually pretty easy to read. Uh, it uses things like uh, 2d20, keep highest one, and such and right. so it's you know for me it's easy to read through and do it because i've been playing now for a while and so yeah what they're talking about sounds really complex once you get into it and read the basics on it, it's not too bad <laughs> so okay. I, I guess my thing on it is it's just uh i want to play the game i didn't want to have to actually go through starfleet academy to understand how to play the game and there were aspects of this that felt like it was necessary now from a story standpoint it was really cool we used a module oh. first time out trying it out and that went yeah, went, well. it went well. I yeah. liked it. Oh, yeah. It was fun. I mean, but, it felt like a Star Trek episode and such. I mean, there yeah, wasn't the, yes. suspe- or the suspense in that one that I think there needed to be. But no, I mean, I, I think it all fell together pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. From that standpoint. Now, one of the things that I did notice was different on this from a lot of the other games we play is it was more, if I was to compare this, it would be kind of like a choose your own adventure. So in other words, Dungeons and Dragons, and I think a lot of this is the DM skill as well, which I'm very much a beginner in that. But the thing of it is, is you have this thing where your players will a lot of times throw, we never do this, of course, to Bill, but uh, a lot of players (laughs) will throw (laughs) a very unusual monkey wrench wrench in, in the plans. Now, the way that that was handled in the Star Trek game is there's a list of these are the three options your players can do. And it actually says in a note, like a footnote that uh, give your players these options. And if they don't do it, then read this box which I think is a little different than a lot of other games, which might have its advantages mm-hmm. in certain things, but it certainly yeah. does take a lot of the, I don't know, spontaneity out of it, maybe? Well, yeah, but the idea of Star Trek stuff is that you have to go and there's an objective you have to complete, 
And if you wander off in the middle of nowhere, there's no way you can you can finish the game. Yeah, true. Yeah, I feel I feel like Star Trek's a little bit more set towards that episode. focus. there's a couple other games like that where it's like you go into it understanding this is the goal and this is the game and you're not really intended to have uh, that open world right concept. I mean, I could see there being some, but I think, you know, that would definitely be a homebrew campaign or something for a DM to make. But, you know, as far as how it's designed to go, it's meant to be more episodic, more of, you know, one or two sessions handled, I think, and keep things on flow to keep that feel for Star Trek. Yeah, see, I had kind of a problem with that. Normally, Star Trek is led by command, you know, like if you watch the TV show. Yeah. And so I was confused as to who's what's, what's the chain of command? Who's the person that's supposed to be leading the mission? Yeah. And every once in a while, I found myself, you know, stepping forward as leading, you know, because it's like, who's the leader? What are we doing? You know, and I, <laughs> I will tell you so, from, a, from, a, from a game master's perspective on this. Um, that piece of it, the captain was actually set up as a non-playing character, an NPC. So it did exist. I didn't do it very well, but it was there. But the other side of it is, is the actual definition of a chain of command was not there. So I think like Bill's saying, you would almost have to homebrew that piece of it to be able to do it right. So well, I think there was probably some more rules that we were missing and yeah, we, creation and such, but you know, yeah, there we, was we were just wanting to try it. <laughs> we just wanted to try it. Yeah, we never got to, and there's rules for like how to fly a ship and all this other stuff that, that we never got into. So, all right, so I'm going to ask Bill on your section here, you've got 10 seconds. What's your, how would you sum it up? I think it's fair if you're really into it, but I would find a different system to play. Yeah, I think the Star Trek concept's fun. In fact, we might visit that again. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask your questions and we attempt to answer them. How do you send us your questions? I'm glad you asked. There's a couple of ways to do it. Give us a call, 503-766-6264. That's a 24-7 phone number. Just leave us a message and we will get it. And we'll either use it on the air or we might even call you back and put you on the air. The other way to do it is through social media. One User-Friendly on Facebook, one User-Friendly on Twitter. Either of those locations are a good way to get to us, too, or our website, userfriendlynation.com. What questions do we have this week? What are true wireless headphones? Yes, this is a listener question out of Seattle. And what they're asking about here is this term has been popping up a little more lately, and it seems to cost more when you have true wireless. So what that actually is, is it describes headphones that don't require any kind of wiring to operate. So really, the only way that you can get here is when you have headphones that are not only cordless, like a Bluetooth set, but also don't have a cord running in between them. So the left and the right speaker are their own deal as well. So if you don't like cords and you really don't like cords, this might be something to go for. They're not available really in full service or a full size, rather, headphones that go over your ears because those are always connected to each other with the thing in the middle. Is it true that Comcast is raising their rates in January? Yes, I'm afraid so. And please don't shoot the messenger on this one, because what they're doing here <laughs> is kind of interesting. They're 
not only raising their rates, but they're doing it in a lot of different parts. So what's happening here is the overall rate for cable television, internet, home security, all the services they offer are going up in January. And it's different amounts for different places. So I'm not going to try to go through the whole list of the exact amounts right now, but that is online. But the other thing they're doing, too, is they've figured out a way to work around if you have a contract rate with them. They're also raising their fees. So you still are going to see a price increase, even though, strictly speaking, it's not a service increase. And then the third thing that we're seeing coming up here is they're implementing a data cap at 1.2 terabytes. This is something that has existed in some of their markets. Well, they're rolling that out to everywhere. A $10 charge for every additional 50 gigabytes of data beyond 1.2 terabyte. However, as magnanimous as they are, you get one free warning. So if you go over one time, you get a freebie. But after that, you get billed. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, the next one's even worse. Is it true that Netflix is raising their rates? Yeah. And I'm also going to throw this one in here. Hulu is as well. We're Eh. seeing this kind of thing across the board. Uh, Netflix has three different pricing tiers. And the first one, which is one screen, standard definition, that's going up to 9 bucks a month. The second one, which is the one that most of us use, it's a premium, $14 a month, two screens, and includes high definition. That's going up to four, uh, 14 rather. And then the higher tier, which does 4K, and I think has four screens simultaneously, is going up to $18 a month. So, you know, the question becomes here is, how long does this stay worthwhile? And again, we were talking in the news a little bit earlier about streaming fatigue with the new Discovery Network. You kind of have to watch all of this because all of these little subscription amounts do add up very quickly. So it's about kind of picking and choosing what you want here. Netflix isn't too worried about it. Every time they've raised their rates in the past, the last time they did it was a year ago. Everybody grumbled about it then, but they didn't lose all their subscribers or anything. So, you know, it's people don't like it, but uh, they seem to pay it. Well, actually, Netflix had an issue where people were dropping their subscription and then resubscribing whenever something like uh, The Crown came out to, to watch the new series and then just binge watch it and then drop it again. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could see that happening. That also, really I just, you know, the previous thing, uh, yeah, Netflix and Hulu, as far as I know, aren't trying to cap your data. <laughs> no, that is one thing. Their service is going up, prices go up. But yeah, the capping of the data is a uh, definitely another little kind of trick they put in there. <laughs> What is the Windows Insiders program? Yeah, listener question right here in Portland. And this is something that I've actually worked on as a developer for a long time, but it is open. Anybody can go on and sign up for it. And most people get approved for it. And what it is, is if you're a Windows enthusiast, or even if you're just interested in what's coming up and what's new, this gives you updates on everything that's going on, all of the new features that are coming out and that type of a thing. But they also do offer beta test or what they call preview builds. And you can get the updates that would normally go into your Windows operating system a little bit early. Now, one thing I do say just on this is if you're going to do the Windows Insider program, it is better to do it from a machine that is not your primary computer because there have been some bugs. I've had some times where I've been shut down from this. Normally, it gets fixed up right away, and it's kind of cool to be able to do, but not a mission-critical computer. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer with his guest, Michaela Taylor. Well, thanks, guys. I'm on location with another amazing talent here at User Friendly. I saw this young lady about three years ago at Cowboy Con, or the first Cowboy Con back in 2017, and she was one of our stage performers providing musical entertainment for the crowd. And she is amazing because she's so young. I met her at 10 years old, and she has the voice, uh, an incredible voice, and her name is Michaela Taylor. Michaela, thank Hi. you so much for joining me here on User Friendly. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing really well, thanks. It's been a long time <laughs> since I saw you. I think the last time I saw you was we were on the set together of one of Doc Durden's films. Uh, your, your Aunt Soraya was performing as Lady Jessie James. Yes. And you, you were one of my favorite parts on the blooper reel. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I'll have yeah. to show you that sometime. I think, I think you saw it at the premiere. But um, <laughs> one of the things that blew me away when I, when I did meet you was you come off, in terms of your ability to perform, you come off much older than you are. So um, how old were you when you started? I mean, I don't know if performing is the right word, but just realizing that you love music. When I was about three years old. Okay. I had this this doll who sang, and I always sang with it. And then I just, I, you know, later on in life, my uncle started teaching me these, you know, these old country music, and I started getting into it. Patsy Cline, okay. Hank Williams. So I started doing, singing all this stuff, and that's how I got into the music until I started getting on stage. Okay. When I was five. and Five years old. Five years old. Okay. Because one thing I noticed was um, what blew me away was for most people, they have a fight or flight reaction to being in front of people in terms of performing. You, you do it like you're breathing. <laughs> do you ever get nervous? Oh, no. Honestly, no. Um, I think my first time I've ever danced on stage, like started getting with the crowd, mm -hmm. um, oh, it was about three, two years ago. Okay. And I was so nervous. Really? Yes. You because, hide it really well. Yes. I, well, no, I was really nervous because I've never danced in front of a crowd. I've never, you know, tried to get the crowd lighted sure. up. And okay. I've, I've always stood on stage. I just, All right. So, but okay. then I started getting used to it by thinking the crowd's not there. I pretend I'm in my room every time okay. I sing. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I mean, there's an old adage that when you're about to go on stage or you're about to be in front of people, to put yourself at ease, you're supposed to, to imagine them being in their underwear. So I, actually, I think your answer is probably better. Yeah. Probably less scary. I don't want anyway. to see that. Okay. Um, and you mentioned Patsy Cline because I do remember that that is a lot of the songs you were performing at Cowboy Con and, and mm -hmm. other places where I've seen Facebook videos of you. Uh, she does seem to be a really strong influence. Has that changed for you? I still sing Patsy Cline, okay. and I still love Patsy Cline. Of course. That, I will be honest, that is starting to fade away a little bit. Okay. Because, you know, I'm starting to do my own thing. Right. The new country these days, and I still sing Patsy Cline, and I still love her. I'll just say that. <laughs> now, you mentioned that you're, so you're doing some of your own new things that you've actually gone into, right? I mean, you're having new material that's written for you. Is that correct? Yes, that's okay. correct. What has that process been like? Oh, it's been really different. Honestly, it's, it's kind of scary because, you know, your whole life you've been singing these cover songs. Sure. And these old songs. Okay. And you're like, oh, these are mine now. 
So it's kind of, it's kind of different, but honestly, it's great. And I also know that as part of your, of your growth process, that you've been also working with a professional, I don't know if it is vocal coach, a right term, a proper term yeah, for what you're coach, doing. Yes. Um, how did that come about? I mean, how did you meet this person who's become your vocal coach? Do you have more than one coach? Oh, well, I have a writing coach. A too. writing coach. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, everything's a specialty. Oh, yeah. So, um, so tell me about, um, I think I saw on a posting that a new song that you're doing is called Alone. Is that Alone. correct? Yes. Okay. Alone. So tell us, what is, is there a story behind Alone? There is a story. It's, it's a song that, um, you know, me and my manager, Bill Martison, wrote. It's because I want people to know that they're not alone. And that's what the song is saying. It's telling people that, you know, you're not alone. And, you know, everyone's been there. They felt like they're drowning in a whirlpool. Especially and, these days. <laughs> yes. Especially with this COVID going yes. on, that song is perfect. It is. <laughs> so that's why we, I wrote that song. And has that been completed? Oh, yeah. It's been, it's been completed. But, um, you know, right now it's a demo. You know, okay. we're not, we don't have the... We're not fully getting it out there right okay. now. Because <laughs> that was my next question, is how could someone hear that if they wanted to enjoy that? I guess um, it's, it's right now, it's just not public? Not public right okay. now, no. We're, oh. we're getting there. You're getting there. <laughs> I mean, things are moving fast. I mean, for three years ago when I met you, I mean, for me, I blink and I'm three years older. For someone who was 10, you were, t- were you 10 years old? 10. So you're 13 now. 14. 14 now. Okay. All right. So yeah, it's how behind the times I am. Um, I mean, that's, that's a, a huge monumental growth change for someone your age because mm-hmm. you're not the young lady I remember from three years ago. Certainly. I mean, you're a young lady now and, um, and it's, it's been fun kind of following, uh, what you've been doing professionally because you're, you're referred to, and I've always, I've always liked this is that you're referred to, um, up in Virginia city as the Comstock sweetheart. Yes. Who named you that? Where did that come from? Honestly, James Clark. There's oh. a friend of mine up in Virginia City named James Clark. He um, he's huge. He's done all kinds of movies with trains and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, he started saying, hey, little Comstock sweetheart. Okay. So that and started getting on. around, started getting around about two years, a year ago, two years yeah. ago. And everyone started calling me that. I think I met I think I met Jim uh, at Cowboy Con. I think they were premiering. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Three Days in Paradise or something like that? I, I know they they had a a feature film that they were kind of getting circulated. Yes, and so I I did meet James. So oh, that's that's awesome. Another new thing I've heard is that um, you may be heading out to Nashville. Yes. What's that about? Um. Well, we're we're heading to Nashville uh, probably not this soon because um, this COVID sure. and stuff is going on right now, yeah. and everything is shut down almost up there. So we are going to Nashville. Um, hopefully, I'd like to go there and um, meet some producers up there that we've been, you know, heard about mm-hmm. and that we've have connections with right now, which is amazing. Yes, and. We'd love to go up there, and we can't wait. And the only thing that is kind of scary, I don't like flying. You don't like flying? No. 
Well, someone who is up and coming as you are, you better get used to it. You just better like being on coach buses because that's yep. how you're going to have to get around everywhere. Because I, what I see for you is um, your future is about as bright as your smile uh, because you are amazing to listen to and you're very approachable. And I just see, you know, a lot of great things happening for you very, very quickly. Well, Michaela, thank you so much for joining me here on User Friendly. It was fun catching up. Thank you. And I'm going to be looking for you in the future. Okay. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, guys, take it away. Steve, thank you for that. And tell us, how do you get a hold of Michaela? Well, Michaela has an interesting spelling. It's M-A-K-A-Y-L-A, and it's MichaelaTaylorMusic.com. All right. Well, hey, simple enough. We'll throw that out on our social media. Steve, thank you. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. It's always a lot of fun talking about some of these different things and, you know, a new, at least new to us role-playing game, so that was kind of cool. But one of the other questions, and we didn't get to it in the Q&A, so I think let's talk about it now that's kind of a big complaint out there, is uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the new PlayStation 5 or then the new Xbox. But if you're like most people, you probably haven't been able to buy one. And or... You got you got uh, charged a whole lot more for it. Yeah, and that's kind of what's going on is that uh, what scalpers are getting them and they're turning around and selling them on sites like eBay and other online places for four to five times the cost of what they sell for in the store. Now, doing that, you know, it's kind of like crummy, but what's happening here is we have companies that their entire business model is designed to scalp this a little bit. Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that works? So what's been going on, and the reason why most people haven't been able to get one, and I mean most, uh, these companies, uh, they set up, they front themselves kind of as investments. They do this kind of scalping stuff on far more things. We're talking tickets for shows, things like that. They're providing bots, uh, as most people know, that uh, are used for things like uh, denial of services or they're used for hacking games. These ones are specifically going in and providing the people's information to these companies, uh, you know, to check out faster than you or I can do it by manual. So that's why you're not getting into it is these people are going in and they're just hammering these uh, releases by Walmart or Best Buy or wherever. And that's what's keeping you from getting it. And then they're turning around, getting these PlayStations and Xboxes and scalping them. And, you know, I've been seeing them online. The most expensive, I think, was $50,000. It seems like the average is about $1,800. So the retail price is $500. So that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of the difference. And it's on both the PlayStation and the Xbox side. So it's both systems. So it's one of those things that it's going to probably be necessary. I don't think we're going to get one for the holiday season. I think you're going to be looking at it for next year, that kind of a thing. It is possible to get to it, but it is very, very difficult. I don't recommend doing this either because one of the other things we've noticed with first-generation systems, prototypes, and this type of a thing, especially on the PlayStation side, is the first versions of them seem to have a heat issue. There's a problem inside that the heat sink isn't working correctly. And if you're in an environment where your interior temperature gets over about 90 degrees, it actually can cause an issue with the system. So there's some other things you might consider for the holiday. VR is another one. 
And for that, I invite you to check out our Tech Wednesday blog. We look at some of the different headsets. So if you can't get the new gaming console, maybe try out one of the headsets. We've had a lot of luck with them. Prices are coming down on that too. So there are definitely some other options. The blog is at theanswerportland.com. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at theanswerportland.com or userfriendlyshow.com.